Hi everybody, Tom Williams here. Thanks for coming back to the Tom Williams podcast. We've only got a couple left now before we hit album release, which is equally terrifying uh, and exhilarating and incredibly exciting. This is a very special episode. Um, I'm going to interview my band because my band is amazing and uh, a huge part of the sound of this new record. What did you want to be? Out March 29th. Um, three of the members of the band, Jack, Jake and Igor, played on All Change and I met them at Leeds Beckett University in January 2016. They then became part of the live band and joined um, Ant and I on stage. Ant and me on stage? I can never work out which way that round is. I think it's Ant and me. Um, Ant I've obviously played guitar with since Tom Williams and the Boat, so we've been playing together for 12 years now. So we've done, you know, three Tom Williams and the Boat albums. He played on the new guitar, new house albums that I did with Sarah. He played on All Change. And I think this album was a real chance to get them all in the studio together and um, make the most of the fact that, you know, we've been playing together on All Change, you know, touring All Change for sort of nearly two years. Um, And that's what this record is, really. It's sort of trying to capture that live energy as much as possible. and I think we did it. I think it's definitely my my best thing yet, and it's all down to them, really. So I'm going to chat for about 10 minutes with each uh, band member about the experience of recording, and hopefully it'll help give you a bit more of a picture and context of what it was like recording um, at Tim Rice Oxley's Seafog Studios and, and being produced by Tim, and also which songs to look out for when the album comes out, and um, just give you some context on it, really, because I think it does make the whole thing um, richer and more interesting. What's going on in music world? Uh, the It's Dark Now video um, came out, and which was great fun, and thank you so much for the massive reaction to that. I think it's the best received music video that I've ever put out. It was amazing, all down to these amazing uh, children. Sorry if you can hear me shivering. I'm in a back room of my house. I'm wearing a T-shirt stupidly, and it's absolutely blowing a gale outside. Um, yeah, so that's that. We've been hitting the rehearsal rooms. We recorded a four-song live session for John Kennedy, which will go out on the eve of release, so Thursday the 28th of March. I might be doing some kind of live listening party to that and then maybe staying up over midnight for the album to come out. So, um, yeah, that might be fun. Um, what else have I done? I've recorded an interview with Huey Morgan that will be going out on Six Music, I think, on Saturday the 23rd. I chatted to Matt Everett and Georgie Rogers at Six Music Music News about the new video and that went out on Monday as well and you know the plays for the single have been going out on Six Music and XFM, so Radio X I should say. So it's all kicking off. Uh, we all got another, we've got another weekend in the rehearsal studio in a couple of weeks getting ready for the tour. Um, but yeah, it's all happening. Vinyl and CDs have arrived, t-shirts have arrived, posters, I've been making demo CDs. Um, so it's all go. So as long as you have um, bought a ticket to an upcoming gig and pre-ordered the album, preferably from my website, because that really helps us out the most, um, then we're good to go. So why don't we go into this podcast now? I think this is episode six, but I might be wrong, because I'm normally, normally wrong about these kind of things. Um, but let me introduce you to my amazing band. All right, Ant, can you think of how many albums we've recorded together? Um, it's been quite a few. Um, it's got to be six or seven, isn't it? Is that including EPs? And yeah, things? I want you to name all the EPs. Oh, I couldn't. Um, Penguin was the first. Yep. 
and I was doing my best. That was quite that's the fourth. Right, that was quite quite <laughs> pivotal in 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 uh, the scheme of things. I think that's when we did our Radio One session. Yeah, and though that ended up being half of the first album, too slow. Well, that's when kind of some of your songs started getting a bit darker then as well. Which yeah, is that kind is true. Of, actually, there was a couple of sort of darker moments. Although concentrate yeah. was concentrate on an EP. Mm. Anyway, this has gone on a tangent yeah. already. Yeah, but, already. Sorry, but we've been we've been making music together for about. Uh, 12, 12 years. years at least yeah does it feel like a long time um i guess i guess it does <laughs> <laughs> it does now i think it's um it's taken it just takes yeah it's got to be i guess that's the mark 10 12 years and you've done it so feels like a lifetime doesn't it really can you what was the main thing that made recording this new album different from other albums and uh, the way we recorded it um no kind of no, no rehearsals straight in obviously we knew we'd heard and listened to the songs in demo form yeah but then none of the parts i hadn't written any parts previous so it was literally write the parts get them right record them move on to the next one it's also weird like producer wise the people that we've worked with in the past you know simon um who produced too slow and teenage blood and also ian who did easy fantastic um and like new guitar new house they're both quite technical. They're sort of almost they're more engineers than producers. Yeah. I think on this one, it was weird that the producer, Tim, was more songman. Yeah, and I think he was suggesting things that we wouldn't normally have have done. Yeah. When I would I'd have always shied away from guitar solos, you know me, I'm not one to show off. No, not but, you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Tim was very much like Yeah, you know, just Flex your muscles there a little bit, and you yeah. know, show us what you got. It's like okay, not a problem. Yeah, there's a lot. There's it's it's amazing because actually, when I think of this album, you know, I, I think a lot about the synths and the different sounds that are on the record that we've never had on albums before because of Tim. But also, there's definitely more guitar on there than ever. Yeah, you know, if you think of every song, I think also like it was whatever it, we were able to um, having Tim there. We, he could pick out hooks that we had, because nothing was written, we didn't know what the hooks were. No. So a lot of the time, he, and then he would pick out a hook that while, because he, he was listening to it while we were, we were so busy concentrating on what we were doing that we weren't hearing the whole band, the yeah. whole song. So he would, uh, there were synth hooks, there's guitar hooks, and it's it's just being able to, yeah, you, you've got the full get that full range that full spectrum of yeah. different hooks from different and I think instruments also the, you know the only way that you can make an album if if the band haven't played any of the songs before is by doing hundreds and hundreds of takes i think i think we we have done the hundreds of takes things before but i think mm. with with the boat we used to rehearse three times a week yeah so we'd often get it on take three or five you know whereas i think i, I remember recording with ian doing easy fantastic i remember that was the first album where we were doing take 14 take 17 yeah and it was quite hot we found that really it's hard, hard but then emotionally but then i suppose this this time around yeah we were playing the songs 30 times not yeah 15 yeah we were spending basically half a day playing the song round and round and round. yeah but it didn't seem to it that it needed to be that way i think although some songs i suppose would came quicker than others but by the end of the week it was just exhausting <laughs> But overall, a positive experience? Oh, no, no, it was good. It was good, but it was just exhausting by the end of it. 
It's yeah. quite liberating, though, isn't it, to feel that you can go into a studio on Monday and by the following yeah. Wednesday, oh, so it's, way to it's do finished. It. Way to do it, because you get in there, get it done. And get out. I mean, it could have gone horribly wrong. Yeah. We could have spent three days and got you know two songs done and then gone, ah. I think a lot of work had happened before, you know, not not only just like 18 months of writing, but also quite intensive demoing. Yeah. Um, you know, and the, the demos were kind of fully coloured in, as it were, in that there were drums, there was a bass part. Yeah, it, was so just, it, was, it just needed just fine-tuning, really. Yeah. And the performances, because you can't, you know... Yeah. You've got to get the performances, and then, then you... Then the then you've got to try and get a, you've got to try and pick one with that had a good feel because you can play it perfectly but then one will be one will have a different which is something that Simon Askew could do quite well yeah previous recordings where he wouldn't even tell us what take it was and go what do you think of that one I know that was me though wasn't it, <laughs> it was Ian, like, Ian used to do the same yeah. thing yeah and it's like that one to me is the one we go was that the last one not telling you and it's yeah. like ah. Yeah, your ears just get dead, don't they, when you're yeah. in the recording studio. Yeah. Are there any songs in particular off the new album that you're particularly proud of? Oh, yeah, I quite like it. I quite like keeping it in just for that. That that the the that um, outro kind of solo was. Yeah. It's a bit of a moment. F- it was a bit of a moment, and then even now when I listen back to it, I haven't played it the same again. No. So it was, and when I listen to it, just the little phrases in it, I think, yeah, that just sort of rolled from one into another. Yeah. But was that live or was that an overdub? It was an overdub. You only did a couple, though, didn't you? Yeah, it was an overdub, but it was pretty much the first. We ran through it a couple of times, and I just went through it. And I got a kind of rhythm in the picking, and then just kept going up and down the scale, really. But then when you listen back to it, you think it sort There's of flows. To it. Yeah, it yeah. flows really nicely, and you think, well, I was lucky. That, that, <laughs> keeping, it, <laughs> keeping it in and stay afloat, I think, were two that Tim really got rolled up his sleeves on and sort of... Because I think the song that I'd written was sort of a two-minute song. And he says, okay, well you, just, you take that section and you repeat it now for another mm. two minutes. Yeah. And I, I don't know, I had a manager at um, Moshi Moshi, Pete, who was always teaching me how to sort of cut all the fat off my songs and really make them as lean as possible. And, you know, on all change, there was only one song that even went over three minutes. Mm. No, four minutes. Only went into the fourth minute. Um... And I think with this one, it was really nice. You know, I I always think of Tim as such an efficient writer. You know, his singles collection is pretty impeccable in terms of craft and efficiency in songwriting. But he he was actually the one that was kind of encouraging us to stretch out and relax into it and enjoy playing together. Yeah, turn the volume up a bit. Yeah, and spend, you know, and take the time to kind of... Because sometimes you can get out of a song too quickly. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Sometimes you can. You it's two and a half minutes. You play the chorus six I think times. If you, I think if you, as a yeah, it could go either way. Yeah. Because if you obsess over the 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 sort of the pop song idea, and you you can cut something too short. Yeah. But then also you can you can be in a prog band and be there for. 15 minutes I, yeah, mean, no I, I think, I think it's less either. about following we're looking at the clock it's more about how it feels yeah and if it's still sounding good and you then yeah but just go with it yeah I mean I was listening to Free Falling this morning and I always think of that as such an efficient pop song same chords all the way through <clears throat> you know uh, the lyric is you know almost uh, like a little novel you know you've got these two characters there's twists and turns you think of it as sort of really to the point but that song's nearly six minutes long yeah because they finish the song after two minutes and they play the chorus and then they keep going yeah 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 but i suppose even in that respect if you listen to that song too much yeah you'd go could have knocked off the last minute yeah yeah 
Um, and that's the knack. But you're never going to make a song completely bomb-proof, are you? No. To a point. Something I've been thinking about quite a lot recently um, is that when... <laughs> thinking about time. Time, Thinking yeah. about death. Oh, mate. <laughs> some, of the, some of us are closer than others. Um, well, none of us know. That's absolutely true. Anyway, look, this is my point. All right. Um, I'm 32 now. Oh, blimey. And you were 29 when you joined the boat. Yeah. And I was 20. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine joining another band now. I'm not sure I've got it in me. No, no. So how... how have you seen the lines on my forehead? <laughs> <laughs> how did it? How did it feel? I mean, because you had you had lots of bands before. Yeah, well, not not lots. I was doing my kind of solo thing when we met. Um, I guess you weren't playing electric guitar much. No, well, so I, that, hadn't, that I was, hadn't. played that was electric guitar for yeah. I hadn't played electric guitar for probably. Not in a band for four or five years, I guess, yeah. before we got, got. And then that was the thing that, yeah, was like, of course, get the get the Les Paul out again and have a bit, yeah. get the rock going. But you must have been playing music in bands now for twenty five years. Yeah, um, yeah. How old am I? I don't know. Yes, <laughs> to seventy three yeah, now. Seventy five. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess so. Got to be. Got to be. I've been playing for was it twenty twenty seven years. What's the most enjoyable so 24 part? Twenty four years. Twenty four years in bands. What's the most enjoyable part of the process for you? Is it the rehearsing? Is it the travelling? Is it the recording? Is it the writing? Is it the hearing it on the radio? Is it the picking up your awards? Um, uh, yeah, the awards are always good. But, I mean, <laughs> you don't. I don't need them, but no. they are. They are quite nice to have on the. Yeah. yeah. Um, door stops. Door those stops. Grammys. That's what you need. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, the the um, I enjoy recording. Um, it's nice to capture a moment like that, keeping mm. it in to capture that and actually go, you know, that's that's there now. Forever. And yeah. you've kind of got this forever thing, even when I'm decrepit and like, you know, if I make it that far to 95, 100 years, 200 years old. You're not going to be any deathbed no. like, oh, play, play keeping it in, will you? No, <laughs> you know, it's there. I can go, I told you I was young once. Yeah. Sort of young. I told you I was in the middle of my life once. Yeah. I'd be like, shut up, granddad. <laughs> <laughs> you fool. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's not that nice. But then performing as well, because that's the same thing. You get a good gig and there's a good vibe in the room and yeah. then you can, another performance comes out and yeah. and then that's that's great as well. Yeah. So, yeah, recording. Is there any part of it that you sort of resent now? <laughs> uh, How long yeah. have you got? Oh, I suppose the travelling. Yeah, it's the travel. Sat in a car with like no room. Yeah, just sitting there going slightly mad with great you. Great company though, isn't it? Yeah, great. You great across company. the way there now and again, poking me in the face, yeah. going. Just when you get bored. There's no way. No way you'd rather be really. The Williams pop quiz. Jeez. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, they're that's all right. You just slowly go a bit mad. Um, do you reckon you could do it for another ten years? Or do you think? You think? You think definitely not. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I hate the idea of not doing it. Yeah. Um, I find is, like I fall in and out of love with all the different sections yeah, of it all the time. I think I'll still do it. I'll always play. Yeah, I'll try and just keep doing it for as long as we can. I think writing and recording you can always do, can't you? Yeah, I think you're it's right. The, it's the tra- you know it's the travelling that I sort of. 
some days I'll be well, sitting in the... it's the time as well. Yeah. It's the time allocation, commitment. Yeah. It's difficult, isn't it? You sort of... You sit in the back of the car for a day and then the gig's bad as well. Not yeah. bad, but the gig's a bit flat or whatever. Or, and um, it can feel like... You know, you just feel like throwing all your toys out the pram. Like, what's the what's the point? Is the point of this? And then, and then the you get night, to Travel Lodge, <laughs> and it all's it's all okay again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's actually uh, that's the most important point of this of this podcast. Actually, that Travel Lodge is the reason why we do this. The trudge. It's all about the trudge. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last question. What's your favourite Travel Lodge you've ever stayed in? Oh, what was when I mean, Josh was going to. Josh nearly died outside on the pavement. That was the Cardiff. Um, was that Cardiff? We played Soon Festival. Yeah. And Josh, um, the bass player in Tom Williams and the Boat, later transpired, had um, acid dripping on the outside of his intestine. Yeah, it's like a and really every, bad every, acid reflux. Yeah, and every time David, the drummer, hit his kick drum, Josh would wince. <laughs> And then um, decided to tell us that everything was fine. Went out and drank three or four pints of Guinness. Yeah. And then, um, and then ended up sort of face down, vomiting yeah. into a drain while we yeah. tried to get NHS Direct on the phone. We up till 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. And then we finally got through to the nurse on NHS Direct. She yeah. said, all right, hand, hand, hand him the phone. So we handed the phone. She, she said, hello, Mr. Taylor, how are you feeling? And he said, <laughs> oh, I'm perfectly all right. Uh, not a problem at all. No, I'm fine. It's like, we've just been sat there for an hour <laughs> waiting for this phone call. <laughs> You're clearly not fine, Josh. Just yeah. tell the truth. That's the reality of band life. Yeah. Um, any um, any advice to the stars of the future? What would you say to your younger self? What would I say to my younger self? You can see 20-year-old Vickery. 20-year-old Vickery. Say, so keep going, mate. Yeah. Keep the belief, mate. Yeah. Keep looking up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd yeah, I don't know. I'd say I there's no I don't I have no regrets, so I No give, regrets. No, none. You've got no regrets. No, there's no point in regrets, is there? <laughs> well I no, seriously, any regrets? What regrets have I got? The the mean things you've said to people? I try not to be mean. You must have said things you regret. That this is going this, said, this is this is becoming podcast is becoming a bit agony uh, psychological profiling going on now. Yeah. Um no I don't, I don't have any regrets no I'm still here. Absolutely. We're still alive. Yeah. We're still here chatting away. 35. Can't have done too bad. No. All right. Thanks 25 35 nearly 45 still alive. <laughs> What's your name? Jack. <laughs> Jack who? Clayton. Why are you here? Uh, play drums. <laughs> no, no, I'm the drummer, yeah. So can you remember Can you remember how we first met? Uh, you came to my university. This is like a police interview, isn't it? <laughs> I, was, I was in the trolley because my mates told me to get in the trolley. <laughs> no, it was good. I got asked to do a session in the studios over the holidays in January. At Leeds Beck University. At Leeds Beck University by Carl Flattery, one of my tutors, and you were in the room. Yeah. Welcome, Tom Williams. And I remember Carl said to me, uh, <clears throat> oh, you'll be all right in the recording sessions because you've got a good drummer. <laughs> and then um, he never turned up and you turned up. <laughs> I know. Ah! Yeah. I was going to say, where was he? <laughs> yeah. Can you, what can you remember about recording this last record at Tim's? It was great. I really enjoyed staying in the, 
the place. It was just a whole immersive experience. Yeah, because you, you, Jake, and Igor stayed in the in the flat like above the yeah. studio. So you were there pretty much. We didn't leave. Yeah, it's crazy. So we, like we went to the pub like twice. Yeah, yeah. So we managed to get out a couple of times, but it was it was interesting because obviously we we got there, we set up, we did the first day. First day was just setting up, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, first day was just setting up, getting settled, and then the next day we kind of woke up, rose from our beds. You had a bed, dance. Yeah, yeah, we managed to have some really nice breakfast because there were loads of food in which you managed to bring in for us. And then we, we sort of stumbled downstairs and fell behind my drum kit and yeah. started recording. I think because we, we were going to record it live, we did record it live, it was only later that I realised that the only person that actually had to nail it for the live take to be kept is you. <laughs> so we were actually almost all in the room just waiting for you to get a take. Until it was so, right. Yeah. Which was such... The pressure was... Because I, I could redo anything. Yeah. But there were bits where your your brain was just, like, at capacity. Yeah. I was and it must have been so stressful. It was good, man. I like working like that because it's intensive work ethic and you co you're constantly, like, striving to be better than the last take. We, we kind of did all change like that as well, though, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd never made a record like that before. Oh, really? No, I mean, we'd always, you know, normally done lots of rehearsals and written parts and stuff. I mean, actually, this time I sent you demos, didn't I? Yeah, so we had an idea of how they went, which was good, really helpful, because I could sort of pick them apart and say I wanted to do certain things here, but a lot of it was just off the cuff in the studio, to be honest. Yeah. I don't think any of them sort of... <clears throat> I don't think any of them we really fluctuated massively from the demo in terms of the, the general pace or feel of mm. I think Tim, this, the producer, also um, gets demo-itis, so he gets like really attached to the demo. Mm. Um, yeah, I did yeah. notice that. Well, it was in a good way. He kept pulling the demos up, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, and he was like, oh, this needs to be like this, and then he was kind of like, but... And you were like, but I don't want to be so tight to the demos. Yeah. It was kind of, it was, it was a good, it was a good combination because you had that, he had that ground where he wanted to, he wanted to stick quite close. But he you knew, also, he knew which bits really worked for him. I think. Yeah. Um, it's also really interesting because, um, you know, Tim's in the studio now with Keen doing a record, and um, he they've always done everything to a click. They do mm. all the drums and they do all the bass, um, and we've never recorded like that, but. We recorded everything live. We were basically doing two songs a day, weren't we? Yeah. Um, it's great. Can you remember what we did on the first day? Uh, early Morning Rain. Yeah. The single. Yeah. That's weird, isn't it? It was we great. We did it before lunch. Yeah, we did. Just nailed it. Yeah. It was weird because I think, to be honest, I, was my, I really enjoyed that one because it was the most comfortable one and we yeah. played it live already a few times. And we played Run Down as well. Yeah, we? that was it. So they were kind of my two no worries. Yeah. So I just played what I normally play and... Can you Probably remember good. any that were a bit tricky? Uh, real slow. Is this the last one we did? Yeah. Oh, that was in the clear. That's actually a song that isn't on the oh, album. Oh, in the yeah. clear. Yeah, yeah. So that was I don't know why. I think it had just been a culmination of the week. Seven straight yeah, days. Seven yeah, seven straight days in in the same place. Yeah. But at the same time, it was really good because oh, I don't know. I just got really frustrated and yeah. I couldn't. I, I, it was everyone, a really basic song. It was so basic. It's funny because when we were looking at the multi-tracks, like we finished the song and it's just like, the verse is just like, and chorus is just rides. And then at the very end, you're just so, just fucked off with the whole song that you just crashed the fuck out of the cymbal. And I remember Ian, um, I said to Ian, the mixer, I was like, uh, hey, uh, heads up, this last, this last hit is pretty hard. He was like, really? And then suddenly the speakers were like, 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like automate that all everything down about 10 dV. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, it was stressful. It was stre- that was that was the hardest one I think because that we we were playing with a click and we were trying not to do it with a click because we wanted the natural feel and then. I couldn't play to the click and I was yeah. just getting really frustrated with myself. And it was the afternoon. Can you remember any strops? Did you have any strops on that, that week? Did you have any weeks where you just like, can't, any days I, or songs where you just like, I can't do this? I think it was purely that one. I was kind of like, one, yeah, yeah, it was the last one. Everything else seemed to go really smoothly. And I, what I really liked, the, the Lindrum type song. Which oh, one that was, was uh, Keeping It Keeping In. Keeping It In. Yeah. So that was really fun. But I think it was quite difficult to make sure I was having the... The, so every time obviously I was hitting the, the hi-hats and stuff it was kind of yeah. like I had to be very very consistent with yeah, yeah. the way I was playing yeah. because there couldn't be much variation because we wanted that effect like yeah, the more yeah. drugsy effect type I think in the end we just we subbed out the verse we subbed out all the verse drums for Lynn yeah and I think the chorus the natural kick comes back in but it's stressful you know it felt at the time that we were all in the room doing it together but then later I realised actually it's all on it's all on Jack yeah, it was Because if, if you fuck it up, then you're out. That's it, mate, yeah. I was listening to... Uh, <laughs> yeah. They're not you're out. I didn't mean that. I meant, like, we're all, we're all, we're all fucked together. I know, I know. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, that's it. No, it's good. I was, heard, I was listening... Um, I was chatting to uh, Trevor Moss and Hannah Lou, who I interviewed on the last podcast, and they were talking about someone, a band who shall remain nameless, recording with a producer who shall remain nameless, because otherwise everyone will know who it is. But <laughs> they basically said to this band, like, rule one is that you do not stop a take. Even if you fucked it up, you have to keep going. Mm. Within about three days, they were stopping takes like every five minutes, and and they literally he literally cancelled the sessions. Seriously? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it was just it was like a live acoustic group, and they had to you know, he just said mentally if you stop a take, then you forget how to do the bit after the mistake. You that know was what it. I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I did find that actually. I mean, especially doing it that way in such a sort of regimented style. Yeah. If we stopped, I lost my mojo. Yeah. If we stopped halfway through a tape because we were like, no, that's not right. And sometimes yeah. I'd do it myself and then I'd get in my own head. Yeah, yeah. And it'd be like, that's I'd the problem. myself it's, out for the next two or three takes. It's thinking, isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. But I mean, to be honest with you, the majority of it was, I, I really had a good time in the studio with Tim. Like he, he was very, he listened a lot and he... He's really good at knowing which tape was the one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sometimes when one feels good and it sounds bad and sometimes it feels bad and sounds good. Yeah. When you listen to the record now, what... What drum performance are you most proud of? Early Morning Rain's my favourite to play. Really? Yeah, just because it's so sort of loose and groovy. Yeah, in the, in the verse. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I really like... You've got to think of the song names now, haven't you? <laughs> song names. Stairway to... <laughs> I really no, like... Um... I, I did like that one. Um, <laughs> Didn't make it? the album, that one. The uh, Graveyard was fun. Oh, yeah. And it's Dark Now. Yeah. Um, which we played live this week, yeah. Yeah, they've been... Like, I'm... I think... I didn't realise at the time that I enjoyed them, but I think because certain songs took longer than others, so other certain songs stick in my head more than others yeah. because obviously we did more takes yeah. and they're kind of engraved in there. But I think those two songs just really flowed. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Graveyard is... Because is, it's got that fast swung thing. Yeah. I feel like that's part of the same family as like Little Bird and Hurricane. Oh, definitely, yeah. You know what I mean? The ones that get people going. Yeah. 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 Hopefully right. it'd be like that to come. Like, and uh, if you could have one wish come true on this album in the next year, whether it be like awards, <laughs> venues you play, uh, personal accolades, what do you, what's your one wish for this record? Oh, Where man. would you love for it to take you? Oh, God. 
I just want to. Is be, there any venue that you like? <laughs> I just want to be famous. Is there? Is there any one? Famous. Is there any one venue which is like bucket list venue for you? Um. Oh gosh. Like yeah. So, I mean, we're playing Scala in May, which is yeah. pretty flipping huge. Yeah. Oh, that's gonna be mad. Yeah, we need to get um, you a riser, really. Yeah, we? yeah, best do. Still want to get you a seventies Perspex kit. I need that. Yeah, it's gonna be good. <laughs> be unbelievable. Yeah, right, yeah. Jack. Cool, man. Signing out. Igor, can you remember when we first met? Uh, yes. Uh, I don't remember the year exactly. I mean, probably 2016. It was January, yeah. I can't remember that. Is this the interview? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yes, 2016. So you, we were at Leeds Beckett University and it was probably January 2016? Yes. How long had you been at the university? Uh, I was there since September. Okay. So... End of September, mm, three months, four months. Uh huh. Yeah. And what were you studying? Uh, I was uh, doing a bachelor in music production. Um, yeah, trying to. It was a top up year since I was studying in Italy before that. Mm -hmm. and so how did you hear? Because I was there on an artist in residence uh, placement, um, and there were, I, I, I can't even think how it would have been advertised. So I think uh, there was an email or something There will be a newsletter at the uni mm -hmm. for the music students and you had to apply. So I sent, uh, I sent, uh, yeah, I sent um, uh, a clip of me playing bass with a loop station, which I did on that, like during the Christmas holidays that year, just randomly. And I had that lying around and said, okay, I think Carl for Carl Flutter was and um and then yes, also Luca, my housemate tried, but he wasn't good enough. Yeah. I'm joking. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> uh, Luca. Sorry, no, but yeah. Um so you would actually have had you, you could have had two Italians in the in the <laughs> record. <laughs> but yeah. It would have been better to have three Italians. Two right two Italians or three Italians. Two Italians. Two, I don't know because it was a guitar player, so I see. Should have had three. But you had you 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 had played in bands in Italy before. Yes. You told me about this amazing Arctic Monkeys <laughs> yeah. um, esque sort of Brit, not Brit. Is it Brit pop? Is Arctic Monkeys Brit pop? Uh, I don't consider it Brit pop. But kind of a British. Yeah. So no, indie I had band. So no, I had two different. I had many bands. One of these was uh, an, just an Arctic Monkeys cover band, and another one called uh, Enjoy These Fucking Monkeys, <laughs> ETFM. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I don't know if Italians people will get ETFM when they saw it, you know, outside of a pub. But, um, but then, uh, yeah, I, had an, I played in another one, which was like literally, basically a lot of Oasis mm -hmm. and Kazabian fanboys. And they will make, they will try to make Brit songs. And the, I just can't believe that there are Italians that love Kasabian. Yeah, yeah. Well, Loads. many do, many do. Yeah, yeah. I remember um, going to this concert. Like the biggest concert I went in Italy was basically a, uh, it was a festival, and um, it was just British uh, acts. It was White Lies. They were yeah. big at the time. It, there was supposed to be vaccines, but the singer had sore throat. Kazabian and Arctic Monkeys. Amazing. And the Wombats. 
That's a good lineup. <laughs> yeah, it was a good lineup. Actually, of all of them, the only one that doesn't exist anymore is kind of White Lies. Although they do exist, but they're just not very yeah, big. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so you then, we did the album together, All Change and Leeds Beckett. You, Jack and Jake from that session, then we toured 2017, 2018. And then uh, January 2018, we ended up recording this new album. How would you say that recording the new album was different from recording All Change? So um, to me, it was different because I was, while uh, during the first record, uh, I was much more considering myself much more as a instrument, like an instrument player, a bassist. Um, My career had gone by when we recorded the second album, my career had gone in a totally different direction with the PhD. Etc. So it was different for that reason, and in the kind of sense, I enjoyed it more because on the first album, I actually felt the pressure to not show off but be very good. And but you also it, you were new at a university. We yeah. were in an academic setting. Yeah, it's very different, isn't it? You know, this album we were in Tim Rice Oxley's studio. You know, a professional musician's studio in the countryside. Yeah, the atmosphere was much more like also. Although it's you're dealing with professional musician and team is quite a figure in yeah. the music industry here. Um, the atmosphere was much more relaxed. Yeah. I think part of it, the part of it was having the flat upstairs. Yeah, uh, it kind of makes a difference to be able to to you know settle in. Yeah. it just becomes a place where you're living, not only a place where you go in the morning and yeah, try yeah. to go home at the end of the day. Yeah. So that was a very bonding experience. But I mean the way we recorded it was actually quite similar, wasn't it? In that we we didn't really you guys didn't really know any of the songs apart from the demos. Um we hadn't written any parts. No, yeah, sure. There were there were some vague parts in the demos but not really. Um I think yeah, but you're right, the feel the feel of the whole sessions was different. But we worked at a similar pace, didn't we? No, yeah, yeah, it's not the pace. I think it's more, you know, the attitude you have. So when um, in all change, I was trying to be perfect all the time. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong, it's not like with the new album I was. (laughs) You know, yeah, whatever. Didn't care. Not bothered. No, it's just that I had that much. I was a little bit easier with it. And that actually allowed me to get more involved with the songs. So mm-hmm. I would say many of the songs of the new album don't need like complicated bass feels or stuff like that. No, I mean, it's weird because there are some and songs on the album where your your playing is really lyrical and really, you know, something like rock and roll. I think you're, whenever I used to watch Tim listening to the songs back, he'd be singing your bass parts, <laughs> yeah. you know, in an almost like a McCartney-esque way. And I used to think like, oh my gosh, maybe that's the hook, you know, what Igor is playing. But there are other songs where it's just about locking in with the kick drum. Yeah, exactly. It's a more metronomic kind of thing. Yeah, you just do what serves the music best. Uh, while maybe I didn't follow that rule a lot in the first one I would just or I did but I wanted to be very much more perfect yeah. on it um, are there any songs that you remember recording on this new album that you found particularly difficult so 
dawned on me more than difficult was frustrating because for some it's four chords right but it's in a weird uh, key and uh, it's in a weird key and i have to detune my bass which is easy usually <laughs> i do that already in many more songs but when you have songs with a lot of space like dawned on me what happens is if i have to uh, play a riff and memorize it that's not a problem but don't know me is four chords and you have so much space in between the chords that what happens is oh it's um, okay the next chord should be c sharp and then you're like oh is it and <laughs> so your mind by, by the end of that you have too much time to reflect on what chord is coming next yeah and um yeah and that combined to the fact that is a different um position of the fingers on the fretboard weird, like fuck me up. i think i heard someone call it red light fever the other day it's that thing where as soon as the recording starts you suddenly lose all capacity to think logically yeah. plan ahead think what the next chord is and you get this weird sort of blind blindness you know what i mean yeah and also i think what um, made an influence as i said the year before when we recorded all change so two years before i wasn't much more playing, much more confident with my playing, while then I wasn't as confident as I used to be. Mm -hmm. So being in the studio again, you feel like, oh, but last time I was in the studio, I was great. And now, so every, every like all those little fears become real yeah. when you're playing and they, they have an influence. But it's weird, isn't it? Because you said, you said on all change that you felt like you had to be perfect. And I guess that came with the pressure of being a new person in a new atmosphere, a new environment. But actually, um, Tim, um, the producer, was so exacting in his detail as well. And I remember often when we would leave and I would go home or you guys would make dinner, he would be there sort of editing kick drums and bass drums. I'm uh, sorry, kick drums and bass parts and really sort of locking everything in. Um, so I, I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think you definitely you definitely played as perfectly on the new album mm -hmm. as you as you did on the last record. But wh which songs which songs do you listen to now when you listen to the album and you take particular pride in? Which which songs are you most proud of in terms of your playing? Mm -hmm. I'm proud of the so stay afloat and keeping it in. Although the bass line is simple, it's just some notes. I'm quite proud about the little um, riffs, not riffs, but you know movements, movements the, I do between yeah. the chords because that's uh, what was challenging with that record to me is that many songs have have a lot of time from one chord of another. They have a really open atmosphere. So it's, a, it's almost an exercise in minimalism. Exactly. Yeah. Trying to fill that void with two notes so it's not just, you know, root notes all the way through. Yeah. Um, that is what uh, I liked about it. Um, then I like how, for example, in... Uh, um, da -da. <laughs> <laughs> so bad with names. Um, what's the name? Uh, graveyard. Oh yeah, I'm happy with. I'm very happy with graveyard for because I the the lock in in the where there is the more rhythmy uh, part and then there is a walking bass line mm -hmm. that I really like playing. So, yeah. yeah. All right, Igor, you're a star. And you, do you realize that you have many stalkers, stalkers and stalkers. obsessive fans around <laughs> yeah, around yeah, yeah, yeah. the country? You, um, there was a there's a particular fan Mark who found you in St Albans, who took a photo of you, yeah. 
and say, I, how do you feel about this? It was a really touching moment. And <laughs> finally, all my life made sense. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So it was great. But also you'd like him to know that your legal team is is aware of his movements and <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. need him to stop. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> My lawyers are on the chase. Jake, can you remember when we first met? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, three years ago now? It would have been January 2016. So, yeah. Three. What I'm fascinated about, well, I'm fascinated about, fascinated about many things. How was my artist in residence at Leeds Beckett advertised? Because I said to Carl Flattery, can you find me a band? And then mm. I turned up in January and you guys were all there. But what were you told was going on? Um, I guess we were told there was lots of things going on. So uh, apart from uh, the session that you did for the week, uh, there were lots of other projects going on. Right. So as far as what musician we were working with or um, what sort of style of music we were playing, I had no idea. Right. Um, but you were just kind of you signed up for whatever was going on yeah I signed up for loads of things and that just happened to be the one project that actually uh, sort of came into fruition and, right and good things came from it yeah because on that so on that was that ended up being the all change record and you ended up playing piano um, sort of roadsy things on your Korg you ended up playing loads of Hammond mm -hmm. um, and then we we toured for sort of a year and a half um and then we ended up at, at Tim Rice Oxley's in January 2017, 18, oh, 18. 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how would you say that the, two, the the recording of the two albums differed? What were the main differences, do you think? Um, I mean, Tim's got an amazing studio. Um, so we weren't at uni, basically. So we weren't, yeah, we weren't. <laughs> I mean, the, uni, the, the, um, the studio at Beckett is great as well. They've got some amazing technology. Um, but you know, Tim's got this, like, I don't know. He's just got a, a whole house full of amazing of toys. Keys, yeah. yeah. Of, of I think keys, especially so. for you though, cause he's a key player. Yeah, for sure. You know, Whirlies, Rhodes is everything, everything, yeah, everything. So, yeah. Yeah. It's good fun. Um, and, and I guess it's also worth saying that the way we recorded the album, you guys had heard the demos, but you hadn't necessarily written parts yourself. Yeah, that's true. Yes. And, and there were some bits that Tim wanted to replicate from the demos, but there were other spaces where we needed you guys to write parts. Well, I love to arrange yeah. stuff. And if you can do that with other musicians as well, who are all on a similar wavelength yeah, and have the same vision as to what it is you're doing in that space, then yeah, uh, the work comes together really easily. So Yeah. So you, Igor and Jack were kind of living upstairs above the studio in kind of a little apartment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, in classic style, Jack and Igor took the beds. And left me on the, uh, left me on the floor. Yeah. Nice, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so Jake was on the floor uh, for... Nine so, days. No, eight, eight days. <laughs> eight or nine days. Something Unbelievable. Like yeah, yeah. It, so at some point of... you'll be plotting your... Your payback. Yeah. You're going to get them. I'll, I'll find a way. Yeah. Are there any are there any songs in particular that you remember particularly enjoying recording in terms of sort of stretching out or playing with some new toys or... Yeah, for sure. So anything with the uh, with the CS80 was great because that's 
it's an incredible machine. So the CS80 for yeah the layman <laughs> is a is a synth that started being talked about when I was talking to Tim about the thing the music that Tim and I really bonded over was Born in the USA and uh, Full Moon Fever by Tom Petty and also uh, Lost in the Dream by War on Drugs and I kept saying oh I love that sound I love that sound he kept saying oh the CS80 CS80 and the th- the reason why he had also bought a CS80 was the Blade Runner soundtrack, right? Evangelist and that sort of stuff. Yeah, right. Okay. And then he had also he also had a t- uh, CS70 and a CS either 50 or 60. But this thing is like the size of a ping pong table. And yeah. when he got it out, he said to me, "You know, I don't know how this works." And I said, "Don't worry, Jake will know how it works." <laughs> and within seconds, you were sort of dialing this thing in. Yeah, for sure. I mean. It's such a crazy piece of technology, you know. It's kind of made. It must have a hundred different knobs and dials. Well, this on it. is it, yeah. But you know, an old, old analog technology like that. Uh, you know, before microprocessors, before save functions and stuff. You literally to save sounds on that machine. It has a smaller version of all of the controls duplicated and hidden in a panel. Yeah, so you I can, saw that. Yeah, you can kind of set everything up as far as the faders are concerned. And then just close a box, and that's how you how you save it. It's kind of the same as like um, taking a picture of a synth to remember where yeah. the, where the faders are. I guess people used to take yeah. photographs of mixing desks as well. Yeah, in exactly. terms of like recalling a mix. But um, so, which songs in particular did you play the CS80 on? Can you remember? That stay afloat. And keep, yeah, keeping it in the two sort of synthy ones at the end of side one. Yeah, they've they've, they've got a, a real great sort of sound to them yeah. that I don't think you'd get from other technology you know we, we were trying to make those sounds in the rehearsal room today with you know with my profit and other bits yeah. of gear and like you can come close but like I don't know there's like a a harmonic warmth that that piece of gear has that you just but also I remember when we were tracking those songs when we were recording the songs we were in the live room me and Igor and Jack um, but the CS80 was such a big, heavy synth. You were back in the control room behind the glass. Right. And I remember even hearing the sounds of that synth coming through the headphones and it sort of changed the way we played. Okay. People always people always talk about sort of, you know, people being gearheads and people getting obsessed with gear and, you know, and it being sort of an anti-creative thing. But actually you can get these pieces of technology that I feel actually change the way that people play. Yeah, um, definitely. And uh, yeah, and stay afloat. You know, just even those 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 chords are straight out of the straight out of the blocks. Um, it's just sort of so uniquely that sound. It's not as if I'm doing a whole lot as well. You know, just playing three note chords here and there. But the the timbre that it adds, yeah. and the, the, you know, the sort of shimmer and the sound and the quality, um, just adds a vibe yeah. in of itself. Where you don't actually have to do much, you just yeah. Let the instrument do do it. That kind of sounds cliche to do the talking because it's not talking at all. But um, <laughs> and there's only one song on the album that actually has piano on it. Yeah. So which is the last song, um, real slow. Um, when we were recording live in the in the studio, what were you mainly playing? Uh, Rhodes. Yeah, Rhodes. Lots of Rhodes. Of lots of Whirly. Yeah. Um, some Arp Odyssey, uh, my profit that I brought down. Yeah. Um, Tim had some really beautiful upright pianos, just like a unassuming Yamaha upright, which just had this really beautiful mellow tone to it. Mm-hmm. Um, How did you feel? Oh, the Hammond as well. Oh yes, lots of Hammond. Yeah, lots, lots, lots of, of Hammond. Hammond. 
did you feel um how did it make how because for you you know for for me tim was a songwriter and that's why he was the producer but i guess were you ever sort of aware that he was also a keyboard player was there any ever sort of keyboard player on keyboard player <laughs> sort of um intimidation or no not really i was I, you know i was expecting him to sort of maybe be a bit vocal from about what you were doing yeah from the perspective of, of a producer considering that you know keys is one of his many ways of expressing himself yeah i, I thought that he might have a little more to say yeah. but uh, the whole experience didn't feel forced i wasn't told no to do anything you know i just kind of sat down and um and just played really i felt like his approach often was to sit back and to see how we would sort the situation out ourselves. For sure. And, and then intervene if need be. Yeah. And, you know, the the best sort of producers won't inhibit a situation. They'll encourage um, people to, just to work in the way that they do. And sometimes the best way is just to not really say anything and let them get on. Yeah. So There was that amazing bit, I don't know whether you remember, when we were doing Run Down, which was one of the only songs apart from Early Morning Rain, that we had played previously to mm-hmm. the sessions. And there was that breakdown section, which is basically a breakdown chorus. And um, Tim came in on the talkback, which is the way that the people in the recording studio talk to the people in the live room. And he said, how, how about you guys just put a kick drum, you know, all the way through that middle section. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, well, isn't that a bit cheesy, Tim? And he said... In his very polite, genteel way, he said, well, it depends how popular you want the music to be. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I think that was one of the only occasions where he sort of, you know, gently but firmly sort of asserted his, not authority, but do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. He had some good one-liners. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think also when the way we recorded, we did a lot of takes you know, really take someone with a clear head to actually pick the right take. Yeah. Um, are after, there any? Yeah, sorry. After four hours of playing the same song as yeah. well, you do not have a clear head. Absolutely. So thank God he was there to sort of sift through the 20, 50 takes of the. Well, not 50 takes, that's a, well, I an mean, exaggeration, it, but it, it was certainly felt like that. Yeah. <laughs> Can you remember, are there any things, you know, obviously in the studio you had this plethora of, of toys and gadgets and. Um, and and stuff. Is there anything that you are gonna struggle to replicate on stage? Yeah, I mean, or do you just need Tim to please, please lend you all the kit? Yeah, I mean, if we can, if we can borrow that Mellotron, yeah, you know, that'd be fantastic. And and Come uh, on, if we can get someone to give us a B three and a Leslie, I'm just putting yeah. a shout out there. You yeah, know, that'd be that'd be great. We're gonna need to sell some tickets, get some bigger stages. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can we can dream. There's, an, there's a song, penultimate song on the record called Crying at the TV, which has this amazing siren effect. Mm-hmm. Um, what What is that noise? It's just an arpodicy. Um A synth? It's, it's a synth, yeah. It kind of sounds like a hoover. Right. Um, <laughs> and are you just sort of pitch shifting it or is that through a space echo? Or it's, it's, yeah, so the, the, whole, the whole setup is um, the arpodicy. It's got two oscillators, so one oscillator stays at a constant pitch and then you'll hear the the second oscillator moving against 
and rubbing against the second one as you I got two notes. Yeah, two two notes playing the same thing, and then as you tune the up, uh, the second oscillator up an octave, you hear this kind of jarring, dissonant sound. So that's kind of what's going on with the synth. It's, it's fairly basic as far as like a, a you know technique for a synth goes and then that's kind of being sent through a uh, RE201 space echo it's like a tape unit right with lots of big knobs on it you can get some crazy spacey sounds yeah makes everything sound like Doctor Who yeah um, not a bad thing not a bad thing that's no, great <laughs> yeah radiophonic workshop yeah in uh, in Tim's in Tim's house yeah um, yeah so lo- loads of tape echo um, I mean a lot of these songs um there's sort of two or three of your parts on them. I mean, I feel like, you know, your average song will have at least two or three Jakes on. There'll be a Rhodes part tracked in the room. There'll be a Hammond part added on. Yeah. Um, there might be a Selena part mm-hmm. or a, I'm trying to think, what was the name of the keyboard that was on real slow? Um, it wasn't a Vox Continental or something No, like but it that. was something similar. Like a transistor organ of some description. I can't, I can't remember. Mm. But it was like that kind of like flat 60s organ thing. Yeah. I, I'm fairly sure it was a Vox, but, you know, I could be mistaken. Are there any particular songs on the record that you are particularly looking forward to playing live or are particularly tricky or particularly enjoyable to play live? Um, they're all great fun to be honest they, they, you know we put them together in such a way where you know they're all kind of demanding to play because there's lots of things going on we never thought about how to play them live yeah I guess you're in this position where you think now we have to juggle between these sounds exactly um, so you know the, the whole arrangement of the live show that we have to think about um, it's going to take some thought um and you've got to do the in-between music. Yeah, yeah. And for the which you're so and... famous. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm kind of looking forward just to playing all of them, to be honest. Um, uh, what I'm more interested in is seeing how how an audience will react to them. Yeah. Because I, I think that's... It's a bit scary, more... isn't it, to play new material? Yeah. Uh, and um, I, f- I feel like it's more rewarding, not necessarily me enjoying playing them, but seeing how people react to yeah. what it is that we're doing and... Do you pay much attention to the audience when you're playing? Because I always feel like your eyes cold. <laughs> it doesn't look like it. I right? often like shout you out. I was like, Jake Mayhew. And everyone's like, yeah. And then you're just like, yeah, I'm not bothered. <laughs> I'm, in a, I'm in a state of flow. So but do you ever sort me. of look over your right shoulder and see what's going on? Or yeah, not? for sure. I mean, I try and keep my head in the game, so to speak. <laughs> um, but this, that's kind of why I sit down in the first place. Uh, I spent years... Um, sort of gigging, standing up with lots of keys, rigs and bits and bobs. But then you have to do a little bit of dancing, don't you? Or do you not? I don't mind the dancing, you know, that's fine. But um, it's the fact, if you're standing up, right, and you and you have your gear in front of you, you're, you're constantly looking down. Yeah. And you, your neck is down. And you feel, I feel so disengaged from the environment in yeah. which you're playing in in the first place. Whereas if I'm sat down... You know, I have my gear in front of me. Um, you can you can see everything in your periphery. Yeah. And I feel ultimately you feel a lot more connected to the actual uh, gig, yeah. which you, which you know you're engaging in. So yeah, I don't know. It, it looks like I'm 
kind of ice cold if <laughs> to quote but um yeah no I, I have a look I have a look I have a, a little cheeky look so yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. I hope that helped give you some context on um, who the people other side of me on stage are and what incredible characters and players they are. They're all they're all just amazing. I owe my life to them. Um, yeah, and come and see them play live um, in in April and May. We start in Cardiff um, and we end up in Birmingham, but we you know we're two weeks out and about. So all major cities, please do come and see us. Grab some tickets, bring some friends, spread the word. Um, and then yeah big London show in May um, May 16th at the Scala which we're all slightly bricking it about but it will be great Uh, we just need to get it nice and busy and it'll be a doddle Um, thanks everybody I've got another very special podcast going out the week of album release Um, but in the meantime yeah as I said grab some tickets pre-order the album uh, spread the word about the podcast I need to go and put a sweatshirt on because I'm shivering and uh, yeah we'll see you soon thanks everybody see you later